Thanks for tuning in to 318 Live Podcast. If this is your first time, we want you to know that you are loved. And we're praying for you. We're praying that each message will encourage you no matter what journey you find yourself in. We hope you enjoy this message. Person next to you and say, This is my Bible. It's better than your Bible. It's genuine leather. Turn the other person next to you and say, I prayed all week I was going to sit next to you. You know, if they're single, you can get their number. You know, maybe, you know, we make something happen here, you know. Yeah, come on. All right. Awesome. Well, if you got a Bible, go ahead and open up with me to Genesis chapter 1. Title of my message tonight here is The Road Less Complicated. The Road Less Complicated. And we're bringing it back to the beginning, Genesis chapter 1. And while you're making your way there, I'm going to read this to you out of 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. Paul says this, he's writing to the church at Corinth. He says, I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. The simplicity that is in Christ. Paul here, he's, he's kind of like on edge a little bit. He's not quite sure exactly, you know, where the church is at in Corinth. And he's, he's showing a little bit of concern. He's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of... I'm, I'm kind of worried for you guys that the enemy's going to corrupt your thinking from the simplicity that is in Jesus. Life with Jesus is very, very simple. And, you know, if the enemy can't rob you of relationship with God, he'll aspire to complicate your relationship with God. And before we get into Genesis chapter 1 here, i got to forewarn you guys. You know, this is my third time speaking in front of you. And uh, i gotta, I got to let you guys, I feel responsible. I feel um, obligated to let you know a little bit about my personal life, something that I deal with personally. Um, I suffer from like an addiction personally that I'm not really, you know, really seeking help for. It's, they call it, um, uh, they call me a scripture holic. And um, in preparing for this message, I did not read responsibly. And so typically we just throw back a couple shots of the word. But starting off tonight, we're going to do full-on keg stands. And so uh, we're going to read a hunk of chunk of scripture here starting off. But it's, it's going to be important to get to where we need to go in the end. All right? So we're going to go there, all right? All right, Genesis chapter 1. And so Paul here, we're talking, we're talking about the simplicity that is in Jesus. G- Paul, uh, Genesis chapter 1 says this. In verse 26, God spoke, let us make human beings in our image. Make them reflecting our nature so they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, the earth itself. And every animal that moves on the face of the earth. God created human beings. He created them godlike, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female, and God blessed them. Prosper, reproduce, fill the earth, take charge, be responsible for the fish in the sea and the birds in the air, for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. We're going to skip now to chapter 2 and verse 8. Then God planted a garden. He got his Caleb Dillick on in Eden. Or maybe that's like reverse. Like maybe Caleb Dillick gets his God on, you know. Anyway, God gets his gardener on. He plants a garden in Eden in the east. He put the man uh, he had just made in it. God made all kinds of trees grow from the ground, trees beautiful to look at and good to eat. 
The tree of life was in the middle of the garden, and so was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 16 says, God commanded man, you can eat from any tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do not eat from it, for the moment that you eat from that tree, you're dead. Now, let's skip on down to chapter 3. The serpent was clever, more clever than any wild animal God had made. He spoke to the woman, do I understand that God told you not to eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, uh, not at all. We can eat from, from the trees of the garden. It's only about the tree in the middle of the garden. God said, don't eat it. Don't even touch it. Don't even touch that tree. You'll see what's, uh, sorry, uh, don't eat it. Don't even touch it or you'll die. The serpent told the woman, you won't die. God knows the moment that you eat from that tree, you'll see what's really going on. You'll be just like God, knowing everything, ranging from, from good to evil. When the woman saw that the tree looked good, like uh, looked like good eating, and realized what she would get out of it, she'd know everything, she took and ate the fruit and gave some to her husband, and he ate. Immediately, the two of them did see what was really going on. They saw themselves naked in the buff. They sewed fig leaves together uh, as makeshift clothes for themselves. When they heard the sound of God strolling in the garden in the evening breeze, the man said to his wife, the man and wife hid in the trees of the garden and hid from God. And God called to man, where are you? Let's pray as we could dive into this today. Father, speak to us through your word tonight. Father, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a mind and a heart to know and understand who we are in Jesus and who Jesus is in us, Father. Speak to us. Give us words from heaven tonight as we engage your word. And Father, as we engage your word, I thank you that we see Jesus crystal clear tonight. And we're changed by your spirit from the inside out, Father. And we also pray, Father, for our team over in Madagascar right now. We thank you for being with them as they're ministering over there, preaching Jesus over there. We thank you for protecting them in the mighty name of Jesus, Father. And, Father, I, I personally have a request for you. I thank you for opening the door, Father, for Austin Elgin to get some promotion to train the baristas in this city to make a proper quality cortado, Father. That's the request of my heart, and I know that you hear my requests because your word says you do, Father. In Jesus' name, everyone that believed that said, everyone that believed that said, amen. Austin, I got your back if you're in here. All right, I'm praying for you, bro. Anyone in here uh, consider themselves a foodie, just out of curiosity? Uh, well, yeah, yeah, you can do two hands, absolutely. I, I, I identify myself as a foodie, and if you don't know what that term means, it means pretty much I'm so incredibly picky about food. I don't have a social life because 90% of the restaurants don't meet my qualifications for a restaurant. You know, it means that, you know, that I, you know, I, I slave in the kitchen. You know, I spend way too much time meal prepping. You know, I spend way too much time, you know, searching out like the quality foods of the earth. And, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a depressing life because all my friends are like, yo, let's go get some like Chipotle after church. And I'm like, ah, you know, it just, Chipotle doesn't quite hit it for me. I need some kiwa. You know what I'm saying? Anyone else ever been there? Am I the only one? I may be the only one. Anyway. 
in, a, in, in experiencing and going out and, you know, learning about foods, I've developed a, uh, a, um, a love is kind of like just shy of what it actually is. No, no, it's a love. A love for this drink called kombucha. A couple of you guys know I'm really passionate about this thing. I love me some kombucha. You know, any kombucha drinkers in here, just out of curiosity, if maybe you guys don't know what kombucha is, go to the store and just find some kombucha, buy it, try it. It'll change your life forever. It's like life-changing substances, you know, Jesus kombucha it's like right under there and so I mean it's good stuff you know what I'm saying Lewis knows Lewis knows anyway uh you know I'm, I'm really big into kombucha I love kombucha it's, it's you know God's greatest gift uh other than Jesus to me personally I enjoy it thoroughly I enjoy it so much I started making it myself and just recently I I, I kind of like overdosed a little bit on like this whole kombucha thing like uh, it, it's become a little bit more than a hobby and like I, I actually bought a, a kegerator so that way I can serve myself kombucha on tap in my home real story absolutely true now if you don't know what a kegerator is it's like it's like a mini fridge made for you know like kegs you know for like of like root beer of course or, or kombucha of course and so, and so, you know, I use it for kombucha because I'm a big-time kombucha drinker. I make it at home. And so I bought myself a kegerator, and this thing arrived in the mail. This bad mamma jamma, they freighted this thing on. They had to put it on like a tail lift, you know, and they had to stroll it into my garage. And I'm like, man, this thing, this thing's massive, right? And so I'm, I, you know, I get out the instructions, and I'm, I'm starting to put it together. And to my utter shock and horror, the, the instructions are to a different kegerator and don't match the one that they gave me. I, I know, right? Yeah, so like, I'm, like, I'm like starting like cold sweat, but it's all right. You know why? Because I got Google. You know what I'm saying? So I get out my phone and I start Googling, right? Lo and behold, who knew that Kegco doesn't have online, you know, like uh, the online uh, manuals? Uh, so now I'm like really, really sweating because me as a kid, you know, I grew up in the generation where Legos reigned supreme, right? You know, and whenever Legos reigned supreme, you know, if you're, if you're truly a devout Lego fan, you know, your Lego looks exactly like it does on the box. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, as a kid, you know, I got like the, you guys, anyone born, you know, like 1995 below remembers like the Ninja Series Legos. Anyone in here remember that? So I got the big mamma jamma castle for Christmas one time, right? I put that, I put that guy together. I was so stoked. The next day, my grandmother knocked it over cleaning. I was distraught. I cried for two hours literally, um, and so, but, you know, being a Lego kid, you know, like, everything has to be to the instructions, you know, it's to the T, so, you know, I, I get this kegerator, I'm like, I start trying to put it together, I'm like, you know, I'm breaking literal cold sweats, I'm like, I don't know what to do, this is so complicated, because, because the, 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 there's, so, there's like, I, I, I just don't know what to do, you know, and so, you know, I do what I do whenever I get, you know, kind of stressed out, I, I go to the store, and I buy ice cream, Okay, it's a personal comfort food of mine. It's what I ate whenever the Seahawks lost to the Patriots. Uh, I went straight to the store, bought a gallon of ice cream, ate the whole thing that night. I know it's pathetic, but you know it's it's real talk here. So I, you know, I'm I'm eating ice cream and I'm like, you know, trying to figure this thing out. And all of a sudden, I had a friend come up, and they're like, Jared, you know what's what's the deal? And I'm like, well, you see this this I got this kegerator and like it didn't come with the right instruction. Is it's so complicated and I just I can't figure it out. You know, it goes. It's pretty simple. You have four holes here with the tower, and you just put the four screws like in in there. It's 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 pretty simple actually. 
I'm like, no, no, you don't understand because there's like six different kinds of screws. And he goes, well, it doesn't really matter, you know, which ones you use as long as they work, right? And I'm like, well, I, 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 I don't know, <laughs> you know. And so, and so I let him kind of work his magic a little bit. And, and you know, he took, he took some of the, they're just bolts with washers, fastened them down, and they were good to go. I called the company the next day whenever they were open. I said, hey, this is what we did. And she goes, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that'll work just fine. Sorry we didn't send you the right directions, you know. And, 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 but it, my friend showed up, and he, not going according to the rule book, not going according to the directions, just looked at it for what it was. And it was really more simple than it actually was. In fact, I actually was thinking about it a little bit later. I was like, man, if I really would have given it some actual thought and not been so bent on the directions, like, like it could have, I could have really made things more simple than it actually was. Anyone ever been like that, like overcomplicated something? A lot of times, if we're not careful, that's our tendency in Christianity. It's easy to overcomplicate the relationship with God. It's easy to overcomplicate the gospel. It's easy, it's easy to overcomplicate life with Jesus. And of course, Paul here, he's talking to the, to the Corinthian church and he says, I'm, I'm kind of I'm on edge a little bit that you guys, just like the devil deceived Eve, might overcomplicate the simplicity of Jesus. And so tonight, I want to look about the road less complicated. And we're going to look here with Eve and the serpent and see kind of what Paul was talking about. Because I don't know about you guys, but I hate complicated. You ever talk to someone who's like got relational issues and, you know, you're out having coffee and you're like, what's going on? And they're like, uh, it's complicated, right? Complicated does not mean things are going great. Things are going good, right? It's kind of like the opposite, right? It's, it's complicated, you know, and then, you know, two hours later, you realize, oh, what did I get myself into? You know, complicated life with Jesus was made to be simple. So we're going to look at three different things tonight that I believe Paul was trying to bring out, expounding on the simplicity that is in Jesus. The first one, the first key about the road less complicated is the road less complicated is a good road. It's a good road. Everyone say a good road. Now, now, a good road, what do I mean by this? Whenever the serpent strolled up to Eve, he said, he said uh, just, didn't God say that you can't eat from every tree in the garden? Didn't, didn't God say like that, like that every tree in the garden like you shouldn't eat of? You see, we see right off the bat that Satan is trying to paint a picture in Eve's mind of God being a stingy God trying to twist the character of God. You see, if the devil can't de deceive you from God's existence, he will aspire to twist your perception of God's character. And you know, this is one of the greatest deceptions in the church is the enemy comes to twist God's character towards us. Yeah, God is a good God, but you know, sometimes, you know, he, uh, he gives you what you need in a package that you don't want. You see, you see if you pray for patience... You know, God, he's, he's going to give you a traffic jam, right? You know, of course, but patience, of course, isn't a gift. Scripture teaches that patience is actually a fruit, meaning it grows and develops from your relationship with God. But that's another message for another Monday. But let's talk about this. You know, if, 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 God, if you ask for patience, man, God's going gonna, gonna to give you a traffic jam. If you ask for comfort, God's going to send a storm. Well, you know what Jesus said? Let me tell you what Jesus said. In Matthew chapter 7, he said this. Don't bargain with God. 
Be direct. Ask for what you need. This isn't a cat and mouse hide and seek game we're in. If your child asks for bread, do you trick him with sawdust? If he asks for a fish, do you scare him away with a live snake on his plate? As bad as you are, you wouldn't think of such a thing. You're at least decent to your own children. So don't you think the God who conceived you in love will be even better? You see, you see, you ask for God, God's not going to turn around and challenge what you asked for. In fact, Romans chapter 8 says this. He says this, uh, since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? You see, God's not like, oh, you know what? I'll give you Jesus. I'll give you salvation. But, but your car payment? Uh, sorry, I'm just, I'm not big enough to handle that. Or you're not in a place spiritually for me to get that to you. Or yeah, yeah, I'll give you Jesus. Yeah, for sure. I'll give you salvation. I'll give you the way into heaven. I'll give you relationship with me. But man, I ain't helping you with your, with your rent. No way. Uh-uh. That's, you're, just, you're on your own on that. No, no. God is a good God. And, you know, God is a good God means that God is a good God. Not in the sense that God is a good God, but really he uses, like, reverse psychology when we say good. And when we say God is a good God, his ways are actually way higher than ours. And his ways are actually really, in our perception, like, against us. But in being against us, he, he actually works for us. And it's this weird dichotomy of the gospel. We don't really understand. It's really complicated. no. The gospel is simple. Jesus is simple. Jesus said this in John chapter 10 and verse 10, that the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life more abundantly, life in abundance. And what does life in abundance look like? It's life so good it sets your buns to dancing. Gospel, right? You can tweet that. You can tweet that. Man, I'm so, sorry, that's like, that's like cheesy Christian joke 101 right there. I'm a PK. You're going to have to forgive me, all right? I'm full of them. And so, anyway, but here, James chapter 1 and verse 13 says this. Don't let anyone under pressure give in to evil, say, God is trying to trip me up. God is impervious to evil and puts evil in no one's way. He goes on to say in verse 16, so, my very dear friends, don't get thrown off course. Every desirable and beneficial gift comes out of heaven. The gifts are rivers of light cascading down from the Father of lights. There is nothing deceitful in God. There's nothing two-faced. There's nothing fickle. He brought us to life using the true word, showing us off as the crown of all his creation. See, there's nothing fickle with God. There's nothing two-faced with God. God's not working against you and then behind the scenes working for you. God doesn't employ the devil to, you know, do his, all of his dirty work against you, and then he comes in to save the day looking like the Savior. God doesn't work like that. He's not two-faced. He's not fickle. You don't have to go around picking the petals on the flower saying, he loves me, he loves me not, he loves me, he loves me not. Ah, oh, good. Whew. He loves me today. We'll see about tomorrow. No, he's not fickle. He's not two-faced. Every good and beneficial gift comes from above. We serve a good God. The road less complicated is a good road, right? Next point I want to talk about here is the road less, con less, uh, the road less complicated is a relational road. 
is a relational road. You know, once, once the devil, you know, kind of started to twist, God, twist Eve's perception about God, he then said this. He said, okay, so uh, let's get this straight. You can't eat that tree, you know, because if you eat of that tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you'll die. Listen, listen, listen. God's, God's actually holding something back from you. He, you. he knows that, you know, if you eat of this, you know, you're going to be like him, and you're going to know good and evil. Man, couldn't, couldn't you imagine knowing, like, the stuff that God knows? Like, like that, you, this is good stuff, Eve. You got to get in on this. He's holding stuff back from you, right? And we see, of course, we see here, you know, we read earlier, there was two trees that were in the middle of the garden. There's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. You know, if, if the devil can't keep you from saying yes to Jesus, he'll try to draw your attention to religion to derail your relationship. And that's exactly here what he did with Eve. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil versus the tree of life. You know, there's this huge thing whenever, you know, we see any, you know, big name minister come on to a talk show or a radio show or a TV show. You know, you see anyone, anytime the debate or the discussion of religion is brought to the public platform, it's always brought to this subject of morality like is this a sin or is it not a sin like like I don't know I think it's I think it's okay well you know uh it's it's kind of not okay well here's how I see it well no this is actually the way I see it and there's this cat and mouse back and forth on is this sin is this not sin is this good is this evil and don't get me wrong, there is a good out there, and there is a definite evil, but you got to understand that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, no matter what side of the debate you're on, God said that ends in death. You see, a lot of times with us, with Christians, the enemy will complicate the relationship and distract us in getting caught up in the debate of morality and what is good and what is evil and what is right and what is wrong. And man, I got to let people know that this, this social stance, this moral stance isn't right. So what am I going to do? I'm going to write a blog about it. I'm going to put a Facebook post about it. Oh, and then someone comments back and we begin the argument. We begin the debate. And at the very end of it, someone might be right and someone might be wrong. But guess what? No matter what end of the argument you're on, it ends in death. Because it's the knowledge of good and evil. Which, which God never intended man to enter into that. Why? Because when you get into this, you know, well, I'm going to figure out for myself what is right and what is wrong. We begin, to, we begin to live our lives and make our decisions based off of what we mentally ascertain as right and wrong. You see? And let me say it for you like this. Uh, Christianity isn't about knowing the principles and perfect performance. It's about knowing the person. It's not about knowing right and wrong. It's about knowing grace and truth. It's not about the do's and the don'ts. It's about knowing Jesus. Right? We see here, there's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can know right and wrong. You can know what to do. But then there's also the tree of life. Right? John chapter 3 and verse 16, probably one of the most famous quoted scriptures in all of evangelical Christianity is this. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, a lot of times we translate that into, oh, I got my ticket to heaven. If I believe in Jesus, I get my ticket to heaven. But that word, I'm going to get a little Greek scholar on here for a second. Is that okay? Cool. Awesome. And so he says right here, if you believe in me, you'll have eternal life. That Greek word is the word zoe. 
Zoe. And Jesus defined Zoe like this in John chapter 17. Sorry, yes, John chapter 17 in verse 3. He said this, and this is eternal life, that you may know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. You may know the true God. That word know in the Greek is the same word that when the angel appeared to Mary and said, Yo, Mary, you're going to have a kid. His name is Jesus. She said, How can this be? I've never known a man. Now, what's she saying there? Is she saying like, well, you don't know, you don't understand. I live socially isolated from society. I live in a padded room and like I, I don't watch TV. I don't watch, you know, I don't do anything because I'm, 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 I'm socially illiterate and, and I've never, I, what's a man? I don't even know. No, what's she saying? She said, I've never had intimate, close relationship with a man. This is the same word that Jesus is saying, eternal life, this is Zoe, to have intimate, close relationship with the Father and Jesus whom the Father has sent. The mirror translation says it like this, the life of the ages invites them to engage in this inexhaustible adventure of knowing you, the only true God and Jesus as the Christ whom you have commissioned. Engage in this inexhaustible adventure. You see, God is not into us living our lives based off of a system of rules and regulations of do's and don'ts. He, he doesn't want us to study a book to get principles. He wants us to look into the book and see a person, to have relationship with a person. And that person moves into our hearts and changes the way we think, changes the way we act, changes the way we talk, changes the way we walk. It's based off of a relationship not off of a regulation, based off of the Christ, not a custom. You see, this is the difference between the tree of the knowledge of good and evil versus the tree of life. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talks about this. He says this in verse 21, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Now, if you stop right there, you start sweating. You're like, okay, whew. Uh, so you mean if I don't just call Jesus Lord, then, then I might not make it in heaven? I, like, I have to do the will of God? Well, shoot, what if I don't know the will of God for my life? And then you begin to pace, and then you begin to, you know, get nervous. Like, oh, I got to do the will of God, and like, whew, like what, what, if I, what if I miss it in some area? You know, if you stop right there, you could, you know, break out into some serious cold sweats. But Jesus goes on to say, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. And we cast out demons in your name. And we performed many miracles in your names. But I will reply, I never knew you. You know, that's the same word that Jesus used in describing Zoe. It's the same word that Mary used whenever she talked about knowing a man. I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. Now, what did these people do? Jesus said, get away from me, you who break God's law. What did they do to break God's law? Well, they prophesied and they cast out devils and they worked miracles. It seems like they did everything right. But you see, everything right even, done apart from a relationship with God, done apart from a relationship with Jesus, it still ends in death. It's the knowledge of good and evil. But that's what Jesus came to bring. He, he came to set us apart, deliver us out a system of, okay, i got to know what's right and wrong for my life, and i got to live by this code. 
No, he brought us out to a place of, I got a decision to make. I got to go to my father. God, what do you think about this? And see, this is the difference between living by grace and living by the law. You see, the grace will always call you higher than what the law demands out of you. Let me give you an example. The law says you got to tithe. And if you don't tithe, you're going to be cursed. I mean, your car's going to break down. Your refrigerator's going to stop running. You're not going to have no job. You're not going to have no food. Your pet's heads are going to fall off. Like everything in your life is going to go wrong if you don't tithe. But grace says Man, my God has been so generous to me. I can, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing in the word and I'm experiencing the goodness of God. And, and God has been so good to me and he's so gracious with me and he's so generous with me. And he gave me Jesus. He's healed my body. He's healed my relationship with my mom and my dad. He's, he's moved in. He's given, me, he's given me favor in my job. He's given me favor in education. Man, God has been so good to me. I got to give more. The tithe isn't enough. I got to give more. Man, I'm, I'm at the restaurant. Man, this person has having a bad day. I, they need some encouragement. I'm going to tip them a little extra. And we begin living a life of generosity, not just bare minimum tithing, but grace is actually calling us higher than what the law demands out of us. You see? You see, the law demands that, you know, don't, don't take God's name in vain. You know, no, none of that stuff. No. Okay, so, so you go and, and you stubbed your toe and... And you, hold, you try everything within you to just hold it back. But, you know, you're, you're, you're fresh in church and, you, you know, some things slip there, you know, and then you, and then you fail. You know, the law demands that you don't take God's name in vain. Grace, grace will call you high. Man, man, God is so big. God is so good to me. Jesus has changed my life so much. Jesus, and see, we begin, we begin not only just thinking about taking his name in vain, we actually begin proclaiming his name, you see, that's the difference. Grace will always call you higher than what the law demands out of you. The road less complicated is a relational road. And my last point right here tonight is the road less complicated is a stable road. It's a stable road. You know, the snake comes up to Eve and, and says, you know, Eve, once you eat of this tree, you know, you're going to know good and evil, but, you know, you're going to be like God. And the scripture says that Eve saw the tree and saw that it was good for food, good to eat. Oh, man, I, can, I could be like God. I could, I could know good and evil. I could, I, could, I could be like God. That's awesome. But what she neglected to realize is that she was already like God. We see in Genesis chapter 1 that God created them God-like and even in his nature, Right? Can you throw that scripture up there for me, Nick? In Genesis chapter 1, let's take a look at this here real quick. Check this out. Genesis chapter 1, he says, let us create human beings. He created them godlike, reflecting God's nature. New King James says it like this. He created them in the image of God, and in the image of God, he created them. Now, Colossians tells us this. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. What's that mean? When Adam and Eve were created, they were created in the image of God. In other words, God took Jesus as the blueprint and created Adam and Eve just like Jesus. Now, Jesus, now uh, Adam and Eve, of course, you know, fell from that position. But check this out. Jesus came to make a way back to that place. You see, if the, de if the, if the devil... Uh, 
If the devil cannot rob you of seeing Jesus as your Savior, if the devil can't rob your sight of the Savior, he'll try to steal your sight of yourself. He'll try to twist and alter the sight of yourself. You know, let's, let's be honest, you know, man, you, God says this about you, but let's be honest, we really know you, and, and you're not that good, right? No, 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 no. Let's take a look. Can I just remind you just a second as the band makes their way back up here? What the Bible says about you and who you are in Jesus. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. But see, the devil will say, ah, yeah, we know you created like that. But listen, let's be honest. You've been acting the fool. We know your past. We know what this, the addiction that you're in right now. We know the struggles you're working through right now. You may, you may, that may say that, but let's be honest. You really aren't, right? Or here, check this out. In, in the mere translation, it says it like this. Now, in the light of your co-inclusion in his death and resurrection, Whoever you thought you were before in Christ, you are a brand new person. The old ways of seeing yourself and everyone else over you, acquaint yourself with the new. You see, stop seeing yourself the way you used to see yourself. Stop seeing yourself everyone else sees yourself. And you have to begin to see yourself the way God sees you. Hold an opinion of yourself that God holds of you. Because, you know, for me, you know, if, I'm, if I give more weight to other people's opinion and how they see me, then I give more weight to other people's opinion over God's opinion. You know, and last time I checked, it was God was the one who created me. You know, if I, you know, me, for example, you know, if I, if I go to, you know, if I buy myself a Chevy, which I never would, but um, if I bought myself a Chevy, drove it to the people who manufactured that guy, I said, listen, guys, this car right here that you made, it is quality junk. I mean, this thing's just like a piece. You know, I mean, it's, you know, it's just, it's terrible. Like, like I could tell you a million things how you could make this thing better, you know, and I could, you know, just make up stuff, right? But that's not really a compliment to the people who manufactured the Chevy, right? No. So whenever we go to God and say, God, you know, I know you made me righteous. I know you made me, you know, just like Jesus. I know you recreated me, but, man, I'm just, I'm just such a failure. I just, I, just, I just don't have it all together. I'm just such a mess up. I'm such a screw up. I can never get it right. Are we really complimenting God? Are we honoring his opinion of us? Or is the reality of what he's done for us in Jesus actually a part of us is it is it is it really simple or is it complicated you see second corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 in the mere translation says this this is the divine exchange he who knew no sin embraced our distortion he appeared to be without form this was the mystery of god's prophetic poetry he was, distinct, he was disguised in our distorted image and marred with our iniquities. He took our sorrows, our pain, our shame to his grave and birthed his righteousness in us. He took our sins and we became his innocence. You see, this is a reality that we have to face that what Jesus did through the cross is for us is greater than we could ever do for ourselves. Either the blood of Jesus really is greater than sin 
Or maybe our mess-ups are greater than the blood of Jesus. But if the Bible is true, which I believe it is, it says that he purged us of our sins by his own blood. That he washed us clean by the precious blood of Jesus. Meaning that, yeah, I may have messed up big time in my life. I may even mess up again. But God's grace is sufficient. And the blood of Jesus never fails. And if it has washed me clean once, it'll do it again. Because he said in 1 John, if I even just confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. And when you're cleansed of all unrighteousness, what is left? Righteousness. I'll close with this one last scripture here in 1 John chapter 4. It says this, God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house. Become at home and mature, becomes at home and mature in us so that we're free from any worry on judgment day. Say what? Free from worry on judgment day? Think about that. You're about to stand before God, give an account for your life, everything you've done and everything you said, and you're free from worry? Other translations say you have boldness. Like stand before God. You're about to stand before God. Everything you've ever done, everything you ever said is going to be put on display. And it says you can have boldness. You don't have to worry. Why is that? It says this, because our standing in this world is identical with Christ's. That takes some faith to believe. Because everything that has happened to us in your past, everything that the enemy has thrown your way, everything that life has thrown your way to try and throw your perception of yourself off course is contrary to that. But if God's word is true, and I believe it, that your standing is identical with Christ, you're standing before God. Your righteousness is identical with Christ's. Your holiness is identical with Christ's. Your boldness is identical. Well, you know, you, you just don't understand. I get really scared whenever I'm put in certain situations. No, 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 no. I may feel scared, but I'm going to choose to believe the word and say that my standing with God is identical with Christ's. He goes on to say, there is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fear of life, a fear of death, a fear of judgment is one not fully formed in love. You see, freedom from fear is found in seeing yourself in Jesus and Him in you. You see, because when you begin to see Jesus, you see who you really are. You Because our, ident our, our, our identification, our standing is identical with Jesus. Everything we are is wrapped in who Jesus is. And we begin to see who Jesus is. We begin to see who we are. The Bible says when we behold him as in a mirror, we are changed into that same image from glory to glory. Looking like Jesus begins with looking at Jesus. Amen. Now, the road less complicated. It's a good road. It's a road that is, uh, that is stable. And it's a road, what, what was the second point? Who's, who's taking notes? Relational. It's a relational road, right? And you may say, Jared, this is really good, but I, I've, been, I've been on a fast track down the road actually more complicated 
you know, the devil's been doing a work in my life. And, and man, it just seems like the, the relationship with God is, is let's be honest, it's pretty complicated. Uh, you know, I just, I've seen God as like this fickle God who's like kind of working for me, but like kind of working against me behind the scenes to try and like bring about me to make me better. And he's kind of good, but he's like kind of not sometimes. Or maybe you've seen, or maybe you've been walking through and you've been bound by legalism, bound by religion, bound by the do's and don'ts rather than motivated by a relationship, motivated by grace. And things have just been, they've gotten a little complicated. Or maybe you've allowed the enemy to twist the way you see yourself. You know, yeah, you're a new creation in Christ, but let's be real, you know, you're not quite there yet. The Bible says you're like Jesus, but let's be honest, you're, you're really not. And things become complicated. I think the greatest part about our story in the garden of the complicated, Adam and Eve chose the path more complicated. And you know what happened? God showed up on the scene and began looking and pursuing Adam and Eve. He showed up in the garden and began to walk. He said, Adam, Eve, where are you? The psalmist writes in Psalms chapter 23, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For your rod and your staff, they comfort me, they guide me. You prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me the days of my life. It's more accurately translated from the Hebrew. Surely, goodness and mercy is going to chase after me. It's going to hunt me down. It's going to find me. Goodness and mercy is hot pursuit of me. You see, wherever you're at in life, you got to know, even if you've chosen the road more complicated, God is in hot pursuit after you down that road. You know, the prodigal son who chose to wreck his life, the father saw him while he was still a far way off. And he ran and he embraced him. You see, Christianity is not so much about us embracing God as learning how to embrace God embracing us. And so we're going to stand here for a moment, and we're going to enter into a moment of worship. And we're going to have prayer leaders along the sides. And, and if you've experienced that, where, you know, Jared, yeah, I've, I've kind of developed this, this image of God, but I want to experience God. I want to receive God. I want, I want God, I want to see God as the good God that He is. Or maybe you've, you've gone down the road and you've complicated it with, with legalism. And you're like, Jared, I'm done with trying to live by the do's and the don'ts, by the standards that I've placed or other people have placed on me. I want to live a real, genuine relationship with God where I hear His voice. I hear Him speak to me on a daily basis. Or maybe, maybe you've allowed the enemy to twist your perception. And you begin to see yourself lower than actually God sees yourself. You begin to degrade yourself and... And, and, and see yourself not the way God has created you. There's freedom from that in His presence. There's freedom from that by His Spirit. Jesus came to set the captive free. He wants to minister peace to you. He wants to give you joy in your life. And so if you've gone down that road, either way, as we go into this next song, I want you guys to feel free. Go in the back and meet with one of our prayer people. They want to pray with you. They want to tell you about Jesus. And if you've gone down the road of complication, you say, I don't even know Jesus. I just showed up. Some people said, like, you should come to 318. It's kind of like a club, you know, and like, I should just show up. And I never knew this was like church. But I never knew Jesus was like this. I never knew the gospel was like this. I never knew it was this simple. I never knew it was this easy. If you want to enter into a relationship, 
relationship with Jesus, and you've never actually said yes to Jesus from saving you from the mess that you've got you in, these people want to introduce you to Jesus. So we're going to go into this last song after I pray. Father, I thank you for this word tonight. I thank you, Father, for teaching us to travel down the road that is less complicated because life with you is simple. Life with you is good. Life with you is relational. And life with you, Father, we find our confidence in who Jesus is in us and who we are in him. The righteousness of God on display. Jesus, the Savior, and he came and saved us and not just put us at ground level, Father. He, lay, he raised us up and seated us with him, Father, in heavenly places. You gave us front row seats to your grace and your kindness, Father. And we look to that tonight. Invade our hearts. Invade this place. Heal our hearts, Father. In Jesus' name. If this message encouraged you and you want to know more about 318 Live, go ahead and visit our website, 318live.co. And we hope that you have the best day ever.